Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. December the 3rd saw the commemoration of the uprising of miners on the Ballarat Goldfields in 1854. This is known as the Eureka Stockade. If you were in Ballarat, Victoria, on Saturday, December the 3rd, you would have been surrounded by evidence that modern Ballarat has made a strong industry around the uprising, from street names to theme parks. This is despite the fact that when the stalwarts of the Spirit of Eureka Committee finds each year that when they visit the graves of the dead miners, that they need to start proceedings by weeding the graves. The Eureka Uprising is seen by many as the inception of political struggle in white Australia for a fair and just society. Many of the aspirants for change on the goldfield so long ago were unionists and chartists, people who fought for universal suffrage and a role for all economic classes in Parliament. On this program, we will first go down to CUB Pickett and report on the Spirit of Eureka ceremony held the day before on the 174th day of the CUB 55 Pickett and give you a word from Victorian E.T. U Secretary Troy Gray on the negotiations with InBev, the new owners. Then we caught up with Duncan Storer at the Unemployed Workers Forum solving the job agency crisis held in late November. Duncan was the audience member of Q&A on the beleaguered ABC who asked the Liberal MP about the job shortage and attacks on the un- and underemployed, which unleashed a Murdoch media attack on him and his family. But first, some workers' news. Last week, the Federal Senate passed the ABCC legislation with the support of the Xenophon members and Darren Hinch. You'll remember that the week before, they passed another part of the anti-union legislation by negotiating away workers' rights for beefing up whistleblower legislation. This time, they negotiated workers' rights away for South Australian water rights, which some say were quite nebulous. Franco Grady, CFMEU Assistant National Secretary, goes through what this will mean. So while there has been um, some amendments to what the government was seeking to do, what we've ended up with is a bit of a mishmash of what the original legislation was under Howard, mm. what it changed to um, under um, Gillard and Rudd, uh, and then also what um, um, basically Abbott put up, which is what Turnbull adopted. So you've got a, a real mishmash of, um, of the legislation, of, of, of resulting legislation. Um, but what is undeniable, um, despite maybe some positives issues out of some of these amendments, right, is they've all been done on the backs of um, building workers once again and the rights of construction workers have been sold out um, over the rights of, you know, sure it's good to have procurement um, um, issues uh, where they, you know, to push up Australian-made products but you don't have to take the rights of construction workers to um, have the same access to EBAs as every other worker in the country um, in exchange for it. Um, yeah, it's good to have... Um, um, 
things around um, uh, protection of for subcontractors to get paid, and the union has been the biggest advocate for that over the years and making sure contractors get paid for work done. Um, but you don't need to do that by selling out construction workers' rights. Um, because what these, um, what the um, the legislation does is is introduce some um, much harsher penalties, um, more expensive penalties um, for any breaches of the law um, around around building sites. It also brings in um, extra, uh, makes it harder for workers to engage in taking protected action in pursuit of their EBAs. And then the code that, 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 that the government is now bringing in, the so-called 2014 code. That restricts the right for workers and unions to bargain for issues that every other worker and every other union um, and every every other employer has the right to bargain for and include in their enterprise agreements. So that right has been also removed from from construction workers, and that goes to um, bans workers, unions, and employers agreeing to limits on casual employment. All right. So if you want to. Um, include in your EBA that there's a limit on amount of casual, so therefore protect your own job rights. You're not allowed to have that if you want to have a code-compliant agreement. If It also prohibits workers, union and employers from promoting employment of apprentices, so we can't encourage um, or have an include in agreements uh, the employment of apprentices, despite the fact that every other worker, every other industry is allowed to do, they have those sort of um, those sort of agreements if they, if they reach agreement on that. It bans unions and employers agreeing to safe hours of work or any limitation at all on excessive overtime. All right, so you can't have in your agreement that you that after 10 hours or 11 hours or 12 hours or 8 hours or, or any hours. So those things are all there, um, are outlawed. All right, so it takes away all the whole notion about having in your enterprise agreement job security. The idea about enterprise agreements when they were first brought in back in, back in the 90s was supposed to be for... Um, workers with their unions sit down with employer and agree on conditions for that particular workplace. All right, so there's a bargain there, there's agreement reached, and then runs sweet and gets on, gets on with um, gets on with work, gets on with winning winning work. All right, so it just outlaws a whole lot of a whole lot of these issues. So, um, built and every other worker in the country is allowed to have these, except for if, if you work in the building industry. The RDO calendar right, is that so is that on the list too? That's on the list too. So it really is. Um, um, an attempt by the government to introduce work choices or worse than work choices for a big section of the of the of the working population, which is building workers, without coming out and saying this is what we're doing, because this is all done under the power of the code, um, and the code is is not a legal instrument. All right, it's part of the part of it's part of you know attached to the bill. All right, so this all this power resides with cash all right, and the government, and she could turn around and change this again tomorrow. All right. Um, or the day after, all right, without having to come back to the Parliament at all. At a recent Unemployed Workers' Union forum solving the job agency crisis, David Thompson, Chair of Jobs Australia, the peak body for job agencies run by the not-for-profit sector, warned that the next cab off the rank for the Turnbull government will be privatisation of Centrelink and a bill to give private for-profit job agencies the power to cut Centrelink recipients' payments for non-compliance. The forum was told that as it stands, suspension of payments are initiated by the job agency and must be adjudicated by Department of Human Services staff. Members of the audience recounted many cases of harassment and non-compliance with the Act, such as requiring job seekers to visit the job agency numerous times a month, 
non-notification of appointment times and sudden suspension of payments after the citizen had notified inability to attend appointment because of illness. Since the introduction of private job agencies, the level of harassment and intimidation of job seekers has increased, said Owen Bennett, Secretary of the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, who convened the event. A move to further increase an already punitive system in a no-jobs market is another sign of a government trying to distract Australians from the government's economic failures. Now to an overseas story. South Korea is in uproar with weeks of demonstrations leading up to the sixth candlelight demonstration on December the 3rd to call for President Park Yuen Hae's immediate resignation. The demonstration was likened to a veritable tsunami of rage. The organisers estimated a historic high of 2.32 million people in person hours, lifting candles in over a hundred sites around South Korea. It was the most ever seen, some 400,000 more than at last week's national focused action demonstrations, it is reported. The public dissatisfaction with the President and her party were clear in a banner that read, Sainui Party Accomplices to the Government Monopoly. Family members of the Suwoil victims also stood at the front of the demonstration before the Blue House. The MV Suwoil Ferry sunk in April the 16th, 2014. 304 people were killed in the disaster, including 250 high school students who were on a school trip. It's reported that they were instructed to stay in their cabins while the ship was sinking. 172 people were rescued, including 22 members of the 29-person crew. Uh, The result was that 15 crew members and shipping officials received jail sentences. However, it spilled into the demonstrations that were record-breaking over the last week. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network. The spirit of Eureka was at the CUB 55 picket on December the 2nd, a day before the commemoration to the Eureka Stockade on December the 3rd, 1854, when miners and their supporters fought the colonial forces against the enforcement of a miners tax. The men who have stood up against the slashing of their wages by 65% plus reduced conditions were honoured by the Eureka Spirit Committee for their staunch commitment to justice. Stick Together was there. down at the uh, CUB Stop Crushing Workers' Rights picket and we're here on the uh, day before the Eureka Spirit is being celebrated down in Ballarat. They're here today celebrating the Eureka Spirit down here with banners of We Stand With CUB Workers. I was wondering if you could tell me why you've come down here today. 
Uh, we would like to support the struggle of the workers because this is not only happening here, it's happening everywhere in the world. The workers are being, you know, being um, pressed and uh, every time there is some um, cutback of cost for, with the company, it's always the workers who are the first to be affected. Yeah. I'm from 3CR, Stick Together Show, and I was wondering why you've come down here and why is it important to celebrate the spirit of Eureka? Okay, well, um, we, we sort of thank the committee for the spirit of Eureka because they actually approached the unions about doing the commemoration at this important uh, uh, protest or blue. So we, we've come down, we obviously uh, represent the AMW membership down here, and, um, you know, so... Yeah, we've come down to support our members, and we're all very, um, you know, yeah, very strong on the Eureka tradition. We understand the symbolic, the symbolism of you know the original stockade in was 1854, wasn't it? And um, and it's got some very good parallels um, with this cornerstone and key dispute here, because it, it, it um, whilst the Eureka Blue, um, you know, will cost I think. 20, 26 lives of the miners. Um, they got electoral reform two years later out of that. Later out of that, um, this this blue so far has triggered a Senate inquiry into these sham agreements, which is what they used to, to sack our members and then try and cut their wages by yeah you know, 65 percent. So I, I think it's uh, hopefully that sort of explains enough for you. All right, so our next speaker will be a familiar face to many of you. Past shop steward here at CUB when the company tried to do this last time nine years ago. He's currently the welfare officer at the ETU. Give a big warm welcome. Give a big warm Tower of Power welcome to Pat. Look, it's fantastic to see everyone here today supporting the CUB 55, supporting the guys that have, have supported everybody else, I suppose, at this site for many, many years. I mean, I'm trying to go give it a bit of a historical perspective. I did say that I'd start my speech today by saying once upon a time, because that's what a good story always starts with. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to talk about a fairy story today. I'm going to talk about this particular place and its history within the union movement. It's not like this place has just sort of come from the past. It links directly back to the Diggers' Oath at Eureka. It's been one of the most the bastions of the trade union movement in this, uh, in this city for a hundred odd years. This particular place started in 1904 and it's always had unions here. It's always had union agreements and it's always been a history of struggle at this particular place. And so the Diggers' Oath that stands there, that where they did it before and it's going to be read to you later on for everyone to, to repeat, says about standing truly by each other. And that's truly what these CUB 55 have been doing. They've been standing truly by each other in a united way as befits the history of the union movement. All right, we'll keep this rolling on. Our next speaker will be no stranger to many of you. She's one of the, the four foremost advocates for keeping the spirit of Eureka alive. Give a big warm welcome to Shirley Winton. First, we'd like to acknowledge that we're standing on the land of the Wurundjeri people. 
the traditional custodians of this land. And we pay our respects to the elders and long struggle for justice and sovereignty of this country's First Nations people. There's no better place in Melbourne to commemorate this year's 162nd anniversary of the Great Eureka Stockade Rebellion than here at this site of the long and difficult struggle by 55 CUB workers in the Battle of the Breweries. We honour the 10,000 Eureka rebels, some of whom paid with their lives in the fight for justice and a fair go for all working people. And we especially pay tribute to the courageous and resolute CUB 55 workers who are carrying the Eureka's fighting spirit for justice and fairness for all workers of this country. The Eureka Stockade is an enduring and inspiring legacy of ordinary people's struggles for justice, dignity and democratic rights. In November and December 1854, thousands of gold miners near Ballarat rebelled against the brutal and oppressive British colonial government. They rebelled against the government mining licence fees imposed on the impoverished miners, whilst the rich squatters and aristocrats paid no taxes. Sounds pretty familiar now, doesn't it? They rebelled against the extreme poverty, whilst the landed gentry and the rich raked in the wealth from the diggers' licence and the stolen Aboriginal land. They rebelled against the constant and violent police harassment, raids and abuse. And in a courageous and collective act of defiance and rebellion against oppression, the rebels burned the licence, raised the Eureka flag and swore the oath of allegiance to each other and the flag. They built this stockade to defend themselves and their flag and called for Australia's independence from Britain. This stockade was brutally smashed by the combined forces of police and the army. But the legacy of their spirit collective defiance against injustice and standing up for what is right has not been defeated and lives in many struggles of ordinary people today, like now we are here. Eureka gave birth to Australia's powerful union movement and to this day it inspires unity, solidarity and courage in the collective fight for workers' rights across Australia. For 162 years, the Eureka flag has flown above many struggles of ordinary people in workplaces and communities. It's a powerful statement of ordinary people's determination to stand up for justice, rights and liberties. And it's a flag of defiance and resonates in the present day Australian You've seen many banners saying, where injustice is the law, defiance becomes our duty. Many generations of migrant workers have proudly carried Eureka flags in workplace struggles and united under the Eureka flag with many other workers of different nationalities, colour and religion. Thank you, Shirley. All right, we're going to withdraw into the very very close to the end of today's procedures but uh, if you have a look down there just below the big CUB banner here uh, there's the oath that the diggers swore in 1854 so what we're going to do we're going to very shortly call upon a representative of the CUB 55 to come up and lead the oath we swear for the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties We were able to speak to the ETU Victorian Secretary, Troy Gray, after he had spoken to the men with an update on negotiations with IMBEV, 
owners of CUB. Yeah, look, we've been in negotiations over the last couple of weeks. Um, I wouldn't say we're there yet, but um, it's probably positive. Like any journey in life, it's the last mile it's the, it takes the longest to walk. So, um, But for the first time in 174 days, I'd say things are on the up and up. Now, this is because you've been talking directly to Imbeb. Yeah, well, look, they've got new management now, um, and there's new management that have come in with a uh, an attitude that they want to make beer and they want to make money, but they also understand that they can't do either of those things unless they've got these talented and skilled maintenance workers to do it. So that's uh, that's a reality that's sunken into to management. The the structural changes within uh, CUB management we think is good, um, and we welcome uh, the positive talks and the negotiations. But as I said, uh, we're not there just yet. You went up to Canberra. What happened there? Well, we went and lobbied uh, all the cross benches, uh, Labor politicians to support the SAC 55, uh, try to get in to see some of the uh, the Liberal uh, members. Not a lot of success there, I, I'd say. But um, when we were up there, uh, we lobbied them not only on the support for the CUB 55, but uh, how the Fair Work Act is inadequate um, in regards to protecting workers' rights. So we demanded while we were up there and lobbied these politicians to get a Senate inquiry into the corporate evasion of Fair Work Act, and uh, we were successful in getting that. It would be a brave politician that would stand up and argue against it, to be quite honest. So that was, uh, that was passed uh, unanimously, as I understand it, and then that Senate inquiry and the terms of reference have been set, and then over the coming weeks and months, uh, there will be uh, the opportunity to uh, put in submissions and address that Senate inquiry. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if CUB management and uh, program senior management were subpoenaed to that Senate inquiry. I know the ABCC issue is one thing, but and that directly affects the construction industry. Yep. But uh, the earlier thing that passed, which was uh, removing the Fair Work Commission's uh, oversight of union uh, agreements. agreements. Uh, what's your feeling about that? Well, look, it's a, it's a political manoeuvre. Um, the Fair Work used to, to uh, scrutinise all industrial agreements and then they transferred just before uh, the federal election those powers across to the, the Fair Work Construction Division of Fair Work, which is, you know, it's, it's Bud Light ABCC. It's run by Nigel Hatchkiss. He was the... Uh, one of the chief architects of uh, the ABCC. Um, it's nothing more than, uh, you know, another nail in the coffin for workers' rights, you know. If, if you have a, a, a division run by a person like Nigel Hatchkiss uh, saying what can and can't go into industrial agreements, then you don't have to be uh, have a, a huge IQ to work out what's going to happen to workers' uh, wages and conditions. Also, this business about being able to negotiate workers' rights for water rights, when in actual fact environmental issues are a completely separate issue which government should be able to person up and deal with. Hey, look, exactly. You know, I mean, those cross benches that have uh, sold out workers' rights uh, for issues around... And, it, look, water is important and the environment is critically important, but do you sell out one to get the other? Um, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face sort of thing. And those cross benches uh, that have done this deal should be uh, held accountable um, and all workers should not forget um, what deal was done in regards to uh, removing their rights in the years to come. Uh, just before you go, I know you've got things to do, but uh, what uh, in these discussions with Embev, is there anything that uh, you guys have to relinquish? 
Look, we've given a commitment to the company that we won't disclose those negotiations. Uh, other than to say, uh, I've been a member of this union for 30 years and an official for 17 years and proud to be the secretary. I've led these negotiations and I'm happy. Very happy. You're on Stick Together. Workers' stories and union news. For our last item on this program, we caught up with Duncan Storer of the Unemployed Workers Forum solving the job agency crisis held in late November. Duncan was the audience member of Q&A on the beleaguered ABC who asked the Liberal MP about the job shortage and attacks on the un- and underemployed. The MP made a fool of themselves and to get their own back, the Murdoch media set off the hounds of hell running character assassination stories about Duncan and his family, perhaps sending out a warning to Australians to toe the line or watch out. Anyway, we were able to ask Duncan about how he came to be on Q&A and what he's doing now. I'm on the mailing list, so I watch Q&A every week. So they just sent me a thing saying that Q&A's in Melbourne and I've been drawn out of a hat and then ask us to submit questions. Oh, so that's how it, how it happens? That's how it works. That's how Q&A really works. I wasn't a ringing or anything, eh? And so they knew what your question was going to be? Yeah, they asked us to submit questions, and then when I got there, they went, you've been picked to ask a question. This is the question we want to ask you to ask, and that was one of the three questions I asked. Politicians stumbled. Yeah, yeah, she was useless. Like, she basically said, you're poor, stuff you. Um, like that, that was the gist of it um, but they gave me a voice so it shows how what, what she said shows how pathetic this whole argument of if you give a rich person a tax break they're going to give someone a job nitty gritty of it is 3 million people in poverty unless they got 3 million jobs in their pocket they're not going to fix poverty by giving a rich person a break that's what I do now. I'm an anti-poverty. Okay. Uh, what about the assault? I was quite interested in how, obviously, a, a really clear link between the Liberal Party and the mainstream media. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, basically, we have one media left in this country, that's Murdoch. Murdoch, at the moment, is backing Liberal Party, so anyone who attacks the Liberal Party expect to get attacked by Murdoch. I think he went too far with me, though, because he did the Gillian Triggs two weeks before. I came along, it was like I'd smashed Gillian Triggs, she's paid for by the government, so that's allowed. When they smashed me, the Australian public went, that's a step too far. Um, And that's what the GoFund thing was about too. With the GoFund was a whole heap of people going, what do we do about poverty? Can't do much about poverty. Every time I go to Spencer Street, I see homeless people sleeping in doorways, don't know what to do. I'll give $5 to Duncan Storer's kids. That went crazy. But what it shows is the Australian public's ready to change the social security net. It shows that the Australian public wants it to change, just like we wanted it to change in 1969. 1969 gave us Gough Whitlam. Hopefully Bill Shorten's just as good and actually does something. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Troy Gray, Franco Grady and Duncan Storer for talking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne. We broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. 
You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or you can call us on 03 Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.